The book dream inside you cannot wait. Never before have so many people questioned, what do I really want to be doing? For a lot of us, that means writing a book. Long deferred dreams, pandemic pause, and the solitude to make them happen means the time is now. The mechanics of book writing can seem mysterious, but they can be broken down, as can the logistical minefield of getting published. You need skills of the craft, but also practical advice from experts who've navigated the path. What's the arc to becoming an author? The value and peril of agenting, conducive editors, the formats to publish and ways to promote. We'll speak with writers, agents, editors, teachers, coaches, publicists, publishers, resources, and guides to navigate the way for those of us brave enough to bring our story to life. Drop in to your book dream and begin to make it real. And now, here's your host, Diane Dewey. Welcome to Dropping In, everyone. Who would you most like to drop in with? Like the Wizard of Oz, your local book bookseller seems to know everything about what's going on. How does she do it? And what exactly does she know? This week, we chat with Raina Nielsen, bookseller for Blue Cypress Press Books, located in New Orleans, Louisiana. Raina has been a bookseller for 12 years and counting. She is also the host of Book Banter, a bi-weekly virtual event series featuring authors, editors, illustrators, and other book industry professionals. Raina is the event coordinator for Blue Cypress Books at Blue Cypress Book on Twitter. It sounds like so much fun to us. Raina, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Well, we read all about the tornado hitting New Orleans, and I wondered how things are going at 8123 Oak Street, the location of Blue Cypress Press. I mean, Blue Cypress Books, sorry. Oh. Yes. Um, it was a wild ride with the weather, lots of rain, lots of wind at the bookstore, but we came out just fine. Um, and I was at home because the tornado hit in the evening. It's same deal here. Lots of rain, lots of wind, but luckily uh, the house is okay. The bookstore is okay. It actually touched down about two miles from my house. Ooh, scary stuff. Uh, glad to hear you're doing well. Glad to hear this. Um, let's talk about the place that a beloved bookstore like Blue Cypress Books holds in the hearts of people. It's, it's What is the role of a neighborhood bookstore now? It used to be just a place to browse books. That's considerable in and of itself. But now you have poetry readings, book launches, book signings. People can host events there. And you've got this great series, Book Banter. And that extends your reach all across the country, if not the world. Your presence is so much bigger now. And I wondered how that feels and how it changes the sense of the local bookseller? Well, I don't know if bookstores were ever just a place to buy books because they've always attracted like-minded people. I mean, even if it's just readers, you'll bump into somebody else who's looking for a book and all of a sudden you strike up a conversation with somebody you already know you have something in common with. And I think as the bookstore has evolved into a community center, which is really what we are trying to do at Blue Cypress, we want to be more than that. You don't just come in, buy the book that's on a list maybe you have to read for school or some, you know, a book club possibly, and then leave. We want to offer a 
events that are educational and entertaining for people, but also with things like poetry readings where you're, you come and you sign up and you can read your own poetry. It is, it is taking that, just buying the book one step further. And now you've kind of found your people. And um, that's something we want to be a space for people to be able to gather and find other like-minded people to just have fun and make friends. It's so cool. I also think it's one of the few places, I mean, the the two bookstores here in St. Petersburg are my favorite places to hang out, period, of any type of hangout space. So I, I know what you're saying. And I, I think it does attract a certain, you know, you're going to be talking to people who are just going to be interesting in the first place. But I, I also think it's one of the few refuges, if you will, where people treat you personally. You, you know, we're so, we're getting so, I think, robotic, um, you know, buying things online, uh, put in your parking meter, um, put in your, you know, your ticket for, you know, this and that. And we don't really have that sense of like, hey, nice to see you, you know, um, it, that you do in a bookstore. Uh, we've gotten away from feeling um the ability to have a conversation in a space, we never did it in stores and department stores in the first place. And now we don't go to them in the first place. So um, <laughs> I, I, I just really, I, I think it's so interesting. Yours is not only a neighborhood hub, but because NOLA occupy, occupies such a space in terms of tourism, um, it's one of the, the destination cities in America. It's known for its cuisine, its jazz. It attracts lots of people for the vibe that it has, a kind of fun and funky vibe. So you've got a lot of outsiders coming in too. So do you still feel the same kind of conviviality, the same welcoming, the same invitational sense for people just, you know, sit a spell, take a rest, <laughs> talk books, look over the shelves? I mean, has it become a bigger hub, a wider hub? Absolutely. Um, something that's special that's happened with us at Blue Cypress is we've recently moved locations. We just moved right across the street. We had to move like thousands of boxes of books directly across the street. Um, our old space was tiny. Um, we didn't have the space for a lot of events. We had a courtyard that we could have some things if the weather was nice, but we didn't really have that space. People could come and sit in a few chairs, but we really wanted to grow uh, that community aspect especially. And so we rented out this two-story space across the street, and now we have this really beautiful event space upstairs. And so with that move has come more people. Um, it's, we we got a lot of publicity when we made that move, and that has let tourists kind of see us a little more. Our location off Oak Street is a beautiful historic location, and we are right on the streetcar, but we are one of the last stops on the St. Charles streetcar. So if you're in the French Quarter as a tourist, you got to get on that streetcar and just continue all the way to the end to make it out to us, which people didn't do as often. Um, and with this move into this new space and us having a lot more events, we have gotten more on that radar of people outside the city, and they are making that trek down to us. Um, it's the same vibe. 
I don't think mm-hmm. that vibe has changed because you're getting those same people, the types of people that seek out bookstores when they go on vacation are the type of people that I'm going to be able to talk to when they walk in the door. Um, mm-hmm. And I think you're absolutely right about bookstores being a location where you can come in and you do strike up a conversation with people that are actually interested in the product they're selling. I think that's a big difference between bookstores and a lot of other stores that you go into. You know, I, I've read six books so far this month. I can talk books to you intimately, you know, and I love it. And sitting there and talking books to a customer um, is my favorite thing to do in the day. If I could just sit there and read and talk books with people, that is like the pinnacle of bookstore ownership that no one ever um, reaches. <laughs> it's yeah. I mean, I, I think that it's it's really it's not. You know, we're not talking about um, we're not talking about vitamins or you know we're not talking about um, you know we're talking about something that has content and meaning for people so that people are interested in talking about it regardless of like where they're coming from. It's like the big connector, right? Books. You you know, it could be old, young any demographic, any ethnicity, any race, you are talking about books. You're talking about your weird commonality with um, the paranormal or, you know, a book that you find on fly fishing or, you know, a book that the the subject matters and even genres cross all the lines uh, between demographic groups. So it's one of the great equalizers, right? Books are an equalizer among people. Absolutely. I feel like anytime someone walks into the bookstore, I can find something in common with them. We might not love all of the same books, but there is at least one that we both like, like we can agree on. We just got to find it. Yeah. And it sounds as though you have something for everyone at Blue Cypress Books, which is, I mean, it's one of your, um, it's, it's one of your kind of taglines. Um, and here is a description of Blue Cypress Books from a reader uh, comment on your homepage, beyond cozy, beyond smart. I have no need to go farther than Blue Cypress for everything I want to read, usually recommended to me by the extraordinary owner and simpatico staff. This is how the universe would design a great used bookstore. So footnote there, you, you handle both used and okay. new books. Um, so, but that's, that's so super cool, right? That you are, this is how you're known. Um, and, and I wondered if you feel that authors and potential writers, writers who've got something in their hard drive, you know, have this sense that the, the watering hole has moved to the bookstore um, better if you can be serving wine there as well. But, um, you know, the whole, the whole shift, right, is to the bookstore. So do you think that it even offers a bit of impetus, the nature of an indie bookstore, the nature of a bricks and mortar store? Does it even contribute to the idea of being viable as a writer, do you think? I hope so. I believe we do. But I think that's part of our our hope when you're helping to run a bookstore is that you are welcoming and inspiring for readers and writers. Um, 
we have a lot of local writers that we're friends with. They come in, they shop with us. Um, you, we get the lowdown on when a book is coming out, you know, before it hits the airwaves. That's always fun to have that, like, sort of insider information. Um, we also have Blue Cypher. So in our bookstore, we don't have a coffee shop or a wine bar or anything. But on Oak Street, half a block in one direction is a coffee shop. Half a block in the other direction is another coffee shop. And directly across the street is Ale, which is a bar and restaurant. And you can go over and grab a drink and bring it back if you want. And so we do have that sort of community even within our little Oak Street community there. Um, There's a local group of authors that meet, I want to say, every Sunday. They definitely used to meet every Sunday. And they would meet at Dots and write and drink coffee and have a pastry and then come into the bookstore. And um, they may have switched their day, but they still come in every week. And um, it's really great to be a part of that. Absolutely. I mean, I just want to point out to listeners who may be from other parts of the country and the world, um, you know, New Orleans, Louisiana, has got a history like very few others, um, other places, other cities, uh, because New Orleans is host to as you say, many writers, um, let's give some uh, period, let's give some, let's give some examples from early 20th century, even William Faulkner um, is from New Orleans, Mark Twain, who wrote under, under the name of Samuel, Samuel Clemens, Anne Rice, um, for her metaphysical Gothic yarns, was born in New Orleans, she moved away, but um, lived in the Garden District uh, from 1989 to 2004. Uh, she set mm-hmm. six of her books, including The Witching Hour, um, you know, uh, in, in New Orleans. And she's best known for her Louisiana-based vampire chronicles. I, I noticed that, you know, even, you know, in reading about Blue Cypress books, there is this idea that there are, um, and, and there are other authors, I should, I should mention that, that that list goes on. Fatima Sheikh, James Lee Burke, uh, Tennessee Williams, Streetcar Named Desire, um, Charles Bukowski, mm-hmm. Francis Parkinson Keys, John Barrett. Um, you, you've got, you've got this kind of sprawling organic um, growth center of authors and a tradition of authors. And there's this notion that there's New Orleans subjects. Give us some examples, not just of New Orleans writers, but subjects that are kind of particular or peculiar to New Orleans to sort of cite this for the rest of the world that that is listening and wants to know what what does that mean a New Orleans subject? Wow, so <laughs> that's a, that's that's a tall order. Um, if you've ever been to New Orleans and particularly walk around the French Quarter, you know what I'm talking about. There, um, in New Orleans, to me makes me feel like I could do anything. And by that, I don't, I mean, be CEO of a company or also play music on a street corner. And both of those are 100% viable options in my life and 100% respected things to do with your life, which is unlike many other places. I'm originally from Florida. And if you wanted to be an artist, 
you need a backup career. What's your backup career? Everyone's asking you. Here, mm-hmm. they don't ask you that. You say what you want to be. You want to be a trumpeter? Okay, great. That's what you're going to be. And I think that that confidence and um, that feeling of being supported by a community, people you know and people you don't know, um, lends itself to these characters that mm-hmm. you find all over New Orleans. And when you, when you see them, you can, like, you really hone in on that, and you can just watch. And that, I think, is this amazing inspiration for writers as well. Uh, I see it all the time. You're talking, everyone knows like a New Orleans character and it doesn't necessarily mean the same person. Um, Ruthie, the duck lady who you can, anybody can, you know, look her up. She was somebody who wandered around the French quarter and she had ducks that followed her. And um, there was a whole line of ducks that followed her. And she's a very, very well-known character everywhere. She's eccentric, but she was someone who was known in the quarter and in uptown and everywhere as this New Orleans establishment. And those, we have these, um, we call them culture bearers, which is a term I had heard outside of New Orleans, but we really like took it and ran with it here. And that is anyone who truly creates the culture in New Orleans and especially people that have their family has created that culture and that's music and that's art, um, which is something you don't find in a lot of other places. I, and I also think that that really creates this thing that is new Orleans. Mm -hmm. This, this atmosphere. Well, Raina, it it was a great description on your part, the culture bearers. We are going to pause for a commercial break, but when we come back, we're going to continue speaking with Raina Nielsen about how location and place do create sometimes the subject matter for authors, certainly the inspiration and, and the characters. We'll talk about the nature of bookselling and how Trends affect what we're writing and reading. Don't go away. We'll come right back on Dropping In. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Books Forward exemplifies excellence in book marketing and promotion, representing New York Times bestsellers, national award-winning books, and books that catch fire on social media and in the digital realm. Books Forward creates ambitious campaigns with unlimited possibilities for sparking buzz while creatively cutting through the noise. Your book deserves to launch with experts who have set the bar in the industry. To learn more, visit booksforward.com or send us an email at info at booksforward.com. A JKS Communications Company. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Dropping In with Diane Dewey. We'd love to hear from you if you have a question or comment about the show. Send us an email to diane at diandewey.com. That's diane at diandewey.com. 
Now, back to Dropping In. Welcome back, everyone. We're here with Raina Nielsen. She's a bookseller in New Orleans, Louisiana. This is a special place, Raina. You just really kind of hit it out of the park, beginning to describe some of the characters. There is just something intangible uh, about the presence of New Orleans. There are musicians on every corner. There's a deep sense of spirituality. Um, a lot of center squares, you know, feature voodoo, feature other forms of um, very old um, Creole spirituality. Uh, and there's so many cultural influences in terms of ethnicity. And then voila, you have this incredible tradition of writers, um, Tennessee Williams, John Barrett. These are people who also created very atmospheric books. So I want to look at the relationship of place and authors for a moment. And if you are listening to this and want to tap into this, but don't have a plane ticket uh, to New Orleans anytime soon, touch base again, Raina, with your series book banter, because this has enabled you to become Blue Cypress books to the world not just to aficionados and tourists of um, New Orleans, um, but really across the nation and and anywhere um, within internet reach. It's a cool series. It's an interesting series. And you export a lot of the ideas that are based in New Orleans through your authors. Talk to us about how that has really, you know, expanded the whole definition again of you as a local bookseller. Well, one good thing that came out of COVID is the virtual event, in my opinion, because we, we, just like you said, we are able to reach far and wide people who maybe have visited here one time but don't live here, or maybe people who live, live in smaller towns that don't have an independent bookstore, or towns that don't get a lot of authors coming through there on their book tours. So this was born out of COVID and just a need to continue that community outreach and continue these events. So every other week on Thursday, we um, have Book Banter, which is live streaming. It is free. It is a really laid back sort of event. It's part interview, part just conversation. The idea is like we ran into each other at a coffee shop or a bar and just started talking. And viewers can comment and ask questions during the event, and we'll answer those as we go along. So it's really an interactive event for people, too. Um, It streams live on our Facebook and our YouTube pages. Um, You can get all that information on our website. And it's a lot of fun to really get to talk to authors that even they don't have to be in New Orleans either, that which is a great part of it. Maybe they aren't, they aren't touring either. Or I'm hoping as the future goes on, as authors start touring, like getting out there and doing actual book tours again, these virtual events will happen alongside those. You might maybe have one or two virtual events in with the actual physical tour that the booksellers or the, that the authors do so that, they can be available to people all over the world when obviously they can only travel to, you know, five or 10 cities. And I love that it connects back to a local bookseller, Blue Cypress Books, that, you know, and I'll just mention another one that I've been tuning into during the pandemic is Books Passage in San Francisco. 
bookstores that I wouldn't have necessarily known about living on the East Coast. And I think it it also just helps us to to connect, um, you know, places, cities, people, and places, cities, people that we wouldn't ordinarily maybe know of. So I'll just give you um, an example of uh, an author who was on uh, Book Banter, Ryan Kerr. I think that was your first one, Raina. Um, so here was his book called Powdered Oak and Seven Metals, which was oh, the second book in his esoteric alchemy series. Um, so uh, it follows Nina as she will relocates her coven to Colorado. And, you know, there's a sort of a witch, um, a witch theme here, kind of a, um, he's also the author of Sage, Smoke and Fire, the first esoteric alchemy series and Sugar Burn, the not so sweet side of the sweet kitchen, his 2015 memoir documenting his journey towards becoming a pastry chef. I love that you talked about how supportive New Orleans is of the arts and of being an artist. Um, you're absolutely right that other places don't have the regard or the respect or the you know support, emotional support, you know, for it. Or places like you know Blue Cypress where you can come and hear folks. Um, and you know, it feels like you also then act as a kind of an ambassador for for New Orleans for your town for books in general, but also as an ambassador for your locale. Do you, are you aware of that or can you feel that role? Do you get feedback from people that are excited to hear from you broadcasting from New Orleans? You know, when I first started it, absolutely not. That was not on my radar. It was just COVID is happening. What are we going to do? Like, let's get an event, something started. Um, But as it evolves, Absolutely. You do feel that because we have people that come in and say, oh, they they just happened upon book banter one day and now they're here in the bookstore. They didn't know we existed. And we also have people who have visited and then go back home and they tune in almost every week as a way to stay connected with books and with the city and with us. You know, we, we met them once for 20 minutes while they were in the store and they felt the connection and sort of a, a trust with books as well. I recommend a book to somebody that they really like that we've built a little trust between, between the two of us. And those people have gone home and watched book banters and they will comment and say, oh, remember me? I live in Austin, you know, and I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, I do. And they'll tune in every other week, you know, and that's a lot of fun. I'm actually glad you mentioned Ryan. He was our first one of this year, just of 2022, our first mm-hmm. author. And he is a great one to mention, not just because of his books, which are great, but he also, he's a pastry chef. He has his own ice cream company. He makes ice cream, gourmet, handmade ice cream in his home. And then you can order it through his website. He has a couple of like coffee shop locations that you can go buy his ice cream at. And that's it. And it is so good for the event. He he gave me a sample of some of his ice cream and I have bought some since. It is so good. So artist, chef, he does it all from not from New Orleans. He was called to New Orleans and has been living here for years now because of that. Feeling like, you know, he is accepted as as an ice cream maker and an author and you know, all these things that he wants to do and New Orleans gives him that support to do that. It kind of reminds me of Brooklyn, too, in the sense of being 
you know, artisanal and appreciative of small scale um, projects, ice cream companies, um, you know, handmade things, um, that sense of one person creating. Um, I think that that just also is such an important kind of cultural return that we're all going through. Um, that also has a lot to do with being in the space of a cozy bookstore um, like yours. And I, I touched on something now that you just said about, um, you know, yeah, people leaving New Orleans and going home and wanting to, you know, where's the, I want to stay connected to New Orleans. I, I love that. And I also feel like there's like a sense of like, yeah, it's my souvenir. I'm almost like still there. And it creates almost a permanent kind of archive for the for the bookstore as well. I mean, events are not just ethereal. You can listen to them anytime. You can go on your um, you know, your website, listen to these episodes, and it's, you know, it's super groovy. Uh, but you mentioned about, you know, recommending a book uh in conversation to somebody that stopped in. And this begets something that I I watched one of your interviews on YouTube where the interviewer asked you, okay, now how do you know about all these books? And <laughs> I just need you to go back because I do think that's something where people are like, her brain is just much bigger than mine because she just knows so much more. And how does she know about all these titles and, you know, all these genres and all these authors? You, you do interact with a lot of different sources who inform you about books. It's not just the fact that you can read, you know, while you're doing your job, which is a beautiful thing. Um, but tell us about how you do get some of your info and, um, and data on books. Absolutely. So like I said, I've read six books this month, which is a lot for a typical person, but not a lot for someone who's a hardcore reader. Um, I just can't, I mean, as a kid, I'm working, I, I'm not actually reading too many books, you know, but I have a lot of resources, like you said. So in the industry, there are industry newsletters we're getting all the time that will give us breakdowns of some of the books. And author, publisher rep, representatives who are, who ultimately they want us to buy the book for the store. And of course, we do a lot of those, but they're telling us about 20, 30 books. You know, maybe we're picking five for the store, but now I know a little bit about 20, 30 books. So you just mm -hmm. kind of store it in your head a little bit, you know, and the ones that you like, you'll pick up on. And those will be the ones that I remember more about. But then also our staff, which we only have a five person staff. We all read very eclectically. and. So when one of us reads a book, likes it or dislikes it, we come in and we tell the rest of us. So now I don't have just my knowledge, but I have the four other booksellers that I work with. I have all of their knowledge, too. And that is an amazing asset. So if you came in and told me you liked, you know, uh, the last, tell me the last book that you read that you really liked, that is my go-to question, by the way. If you say, oh, I need a book recommendation. Well, tell me the last book you read that you liked, you know, and I can go from there. But if nothing comes to my mind, I think, okay, well, what did Jody tell me? She reads a lot of romance. Okay, what did she tell me the other day? What did Leanna tell me the other day? And then I use that information to help give you a recommendation. And I often say, you know, my coworker read this and loved it. I don't pretend that I know the book, but I do take that knowledge 
and I can I can use it to recommend you a book, which is invaluable using fellow booksellers and their information. And okay. If you yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. They're telling you they're telling you about a book that they read, right? People that come in. Exactly. Yeah. Readers also are telling me a book about a book that they read and maybe I've never read it. Maybe I've never heard of it. But now I you know, I genuinely want you to tell me about the book you read. So now I have that information to either read for myself or to share with somebody else down the line. So the $64,000 question for potential writers who would like to publish is how have readers' tastes changed? You know, in the years that you've been in New Orleans and at Blue Cypress, what evolutions have you found? And should writers even be paying attention to trends? Um, Is it what we hear about, the sort of trends towards paranormal or fantasy? Um, You know, should we even be listening to trends? And what's your take on that? (laughs) So my opinion on that is not you shouldn't. As a writer, no. Because by the time you write that book and put it out, that trend is probably not going to be something that's going to help push your book sales. It's more important to write about something you are passionate about. If you don't, if you're pushing yourself to write a type of book or a subject about a subject that you're not feeling, like it's not important to you, then that's going to come through on the page. A well-written book, no matter what the subject is, I can sell. People will read. We just have to find the right people to get it in their hands. Um, so, yeah, I would write something something you are, are passionate about more than what is trendy at the moment. That trend will come back around. We'll figure mm-hmm. it out. We'll get it. We'll get it in the right hands. You can start your own new trend, right? Um, <laughs> interesting. I'm, I'm exactly. glad to hear you say that. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm really glad to hear you say that. It's you know really authentic response. And you know, just in case you think, um, well, hey, I only listen to audiobooks. That, that that doesn't prevent you to go from you know not to go hang out at at Blue Cypress Books or your local bookseller, or to drop into Book Banter. Because, hey, right, Libro.com is the audiobook distributor for bookstores, and you're handling that format as well, right, Reina? Exactly. It's Libro.fm, and they are basically, they're an audiobook distributor for independent bookstores. Um, you can go on there. They have monthly memberships if you want to do it that way, or you can purchase audiobooks a la carte as you go along. And when you set up your account, you choose an independent bookstore to partner with. So you can choose an indie bookstore from your hometown. You can choose Blue Cypress. Um, and we get a percentage of that sale, just like we do if you come in and buy a physical book. So it is the best way to buy audiobooks. They have pretty much every audiobook that is in existence is on there and they're adding more every single day. Um, and yeah, absolutely. If you are browsing around a bookstore and you find a book, if it's, you know, a classic or if it's anything written like since 95, I'm kind of making that date up, but it feels right. Um, mm-hmm. It's probably got an audio book. Uh, mm-hmm. So you can find that audio book and you can, it's a great way to get recommendations for things. And we have little sidelines. You want to purchase something while you're there. You can buy a little finger puppet or a, a notebook 
and then get your audiobook from Libro.fm when you go home. Yeah, tchotchkes are necessary. I, I find <laughs> them to be the perfect accompaniment, even if it's like a little sticker. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. And then again, it's another like takeaway from Blue Cypress Books, from the environment of this super cozy place. And I, I, I think, yeah, we all want little snatches, little snippets of that, because our lives get so sort of, you know, with COVID and we get, you know, we're getting so uh, online that, you know, to have, again, this kind of personal exchange that you're talking about. Wow. So cool. People should realize um, readership is up. Reading of books is on the increase. Publishing books is also on the increase. Um, And books perhaps as a form of travel in the mental space is something that people are indulging in widely because of the situation we find ourselves in. Uh, At the moment, what we're going to do is take a commercial break, but when we come back, we'll continue talking with Raina Nielsen, who's a bookseller with Blue Cypress Books in New Orleans. Couldn't be a more fascinating place, Raina. And I think you being right in the heart of it, your sensibilities being kind of right uh, at the at the pinnacle of it, in right at the sort of essence of of New Orleans and and writerly sensibilities is so cool. We're going to find out, Reina, about your own poetry. So don't go away. We'll be right back on dropping in. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. She Writes Press is an independent publishing company founded for women writers everywhere. Together with sister company Spark Press, serving men and women, it is both mission-driven and community-oriented. The aim is to serve writers who wish to maintain greater ownership and control of their projects while getting the highest quality editorial help possible, traditional distribution, and an in-house marketing and publicity team. In 2019, She Writes Press was named Indie Publisher of the Year. You can find out more on SheWritesPress.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Dropping In with Diane Dewey. We'd love to hear from you if you have a question or comment about the show. Send us an email to diane at dianedewey.com. That's diane at dianedewey.com. Now, back to Dropping In. Welcome back, everyone. We're here with Raina Nielsen. And if you didn't hear, she is, in addition to being a bookseller uh, in New Orleans, Louisiana, of all wonderful places, um, a must, a must see destination to experience um, if you can. But if you can't, book banter will get you there, at least in your imagination. She is the host of this virtual series. Uh, but Raina, talk to us about your own creativity. I think it's so cool that you you've developed a practice of your own of writing poetry. What kind of street cred that gives you as a as a bookseller coming full circle? And also, you've talked about having a place to renew your your creativity. Do you find that bookstores actually provide a moment's rest and inspiration? 
for customers, for people walking in, for yourself, for other writers? Does it function in that way too? So I have I have written poetry gosh, since I was a teenager and I was writing just angsty, love-filled poetry. Um, but I find writing very cathartic. And I think that that is a piece that allows me to connect to authors, even though I haven't, I've never put together a full novel and I, I never published anything of too much length. I write almost every day. And the bookstore, this, our bookstore is my place of employment. So I don't get as much opportunity to just sort of sit luxuriously in front of our sort of ceiling windows and write. Um, but I do find that we have people who come and do. They sit with us and they write. Um, we've had people take pictures and have told me that they look at where the sun comes in through these Florida ceiling windows. It's just this beautiful space in our event space upstairs. And use it as inspiration sitting there in the sun. And I love doing that as well. And I think that not just our bookstore, but bookstores in general can very much be places for inspiration. They are, you're surrounded. It's almost like um, being in a museum. You're surrounded by all of this art and all of this, these hours of artists creating and being inspired. And it's, you're now just immersed in it. You're sitting here in it. And that can be very inspiring if you are trying to do that yourself as an author. It's like the words seep out over the, <laughs> through the pages out of the books. It's really, I mean, and also there's a certain form of encouragement, seeing books, seeing their reality. They're, they're tangible. They, they've been created by somebody at some point in time, and you can do it too if you just sit down and write. And, um, you know, I think, I think, I think the fact that the, the, the environment does serve to, um, you know, engender that kind of inspiration is very cool. So in a certain way, do libraries. And I was very heartened to hear that you are supportive of libraries, that you in no way see them as competition or threat. Um, other booksellers don't seem to convey that embracing quality. What's your worldview that allows you to see that uh, all, all high tides float all boats? If someone is reading, then we are all winning. As booksellers, as librarians, we are all winning. Um, a reader who reads at the library 90% of the time and purchases books 10% of the time is doing more for me at the bookstore or as a bookseller than someone who's not reading at all, who just isn't going. Um, that, that's a net win to me. So if, there's, if I make that person feel bad for going to the library 90% of the time, they're going to stop coming and buying books, at least for me, 10% of the time. And so we, we are all losing. In that, in that way. And that idea, kind of across the board, is 
is what, you know, we're all, like I said, the, the tide is going, <laughs> the water is going up. We're all, we're all either going with it or, or we're drowning. I mean, indie bookstores, we are small businesses like every other small business. It doesn't take a lot to, to you know, capsize the ship. We don't have as much, you know, in the bank or as much insurance or any of those types of things as bigger corporations might have. So, to me, we all need to sort of move together, um, and that's 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 an easy that's an easy win for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I also wonder about your community, um, Nola. Um, and even, you know, maybe the Garden District itself, are there literary festivals in town that then generate interest in local booksellers? Are, is there, you know, does the city itself um, have, have community events um, that spotlight you and your activities? We have, during festival season, which is very exciting because festival season is about to pick up, and I think it's actually going to happen this year. We haven't really had a big festival season in a couple of years now, so it's it's just really starting. And that includes music festivals and a lot of literary festivals. Um, last weekend was the New Orleans Book Festival, which was held on Tulane's campus. And this weekend coming up, yeah, it's this weekend coming up is the Tennessee Williams Festival, which is held down in the French Quarter, mostly at the Hotel Monteleone, but they have a few different locations throughout the quarter. And both of those events are huge literary events. We have authors coming, you know, as a city, we have authors coming from all over the world to attend beyond the panels and also just attend and see their colleagues, you know, fellow writers at both of those events. And those are just two big heavy hitters to get us started in the year. Um, there's littler things happening all throughout the year. The Louisiana Book Festival, isn't. I think it's in November. So that kind of, they kind of book in, like the New Orleans Book Festival and the Louisiana Book Festival sort of book in that festival season. And then there's just events throughout the whole year. And that does, it brings, it brings, authors, but also attendees. A lot of the people who attend are from the greater New Orleans area, but not all of them. People will travel to see those bigger names, and that brings them into our city. So we get residual business at the bookstore from these festivals, even when we're not actually at the festival maybe selling books. We're seeing those authors and and those attendees are coming out to where we are, too. Well, it's like hosting a party just about, you know, anywhere in New Orleans during festival time. And, you know, of course, it's world famous for Mardi Gras, but also Jazz Fest and, you know, now a literary festival. So wonderful to hear this. I hope that these kinds of events are springing back to life in other places around the country. I think the other fun thing that you do at Blue Cypress Book is... Uh, book trading um, as a way of recycling, uh, you, you'll even take on estates. Um, you, you take classic works of literature, science fiction, great kids' books. Um, so book trading, it's like you can clear out your books, um, earn some money. Uh, you offer 50% shop credit or 25% cash, depending on 
um, you know, what will sell in the shop, except for, you know, children's mm-hmm. books, young book, young adult books, um, for which you, you, you offer trade credit. And then there's lots of fun stipulations. It can have someone's name in it, but your dog or pig cannot have chewed the ears and it can't be underlined and underscored as a textbook. But I mean, this, this cool practice that you have of, of book trades, I mean, do people, lots of people must participate in that, right? They're trying to clear off their shelves to make way for new books. It all is like big recycling. How, how's it working out? Well, it's actually working out wonderfully. So the history of our store is that we started about 14 years ago as used books only. So they spent almost a decade as only used books. And Blue Cypress was interesting in the city because we sort of flew under the radar because we were only used books. You know, there were other bookstores in town that was, there were only new books. And so they would get the big authors and they would get, you know, the publisher reps and things would go to them. And then we started selling new books just here and there a little bit a few years ago. And then when COVID happened and we had to close our doors, we pretty much sold only new books. We really had to ramp up our new book selection because people were ordering from the website and on our phone. You can't look at, you know, the all the different copies of Dostoevsky we have. You can just buy the new one. I can't take trades because of the COVID concerns and all of that. So we started selling more new books. And now we're actually about 75 used, 25 new at this point. And so that, those used books are still like our biggest selection. And we look at them Monday through Friday, 10 to 5. You bring them in and we go through them while you wait. Usually just takes a few minutes because at this point, you know, we know what we're looking for. And um, exactly like you said, after you 50% of what we intend to sell it for, a store credit or 25% uh, cash. And then we clean them all up and price them and put them back out on our shelves. So that is a bulk of the books that we sell. Um, And it's a lot of fun, actually. We end up getting almost brand new books. Somebody just bought it and read it and brought it back in a couple of weeks. And then we also have just interesting, obscure, older titles that I didn't even know existed. And now here's a pristine copy that's been sitting on someone's shelf for 30 years. And here we have it for sale. And it it brings to mind another point about... um, randomly coming across a book because if you're if you know your used book section then is precisely like that something might turn up that you know maybe it's out of print maybe it's something that you know is obscure but a person had a passion for this kind of book and here it is and you know there's a difference right between a person browsing in a bookstore and sourcing a book online that whole experience is completely different. Um, does it open people up? And how does it open people up to new genres, new titles, new authors? How does that work in terms of you creating a space for people to just become open to not just the shelf headings, but to new stuff entirely? That is one of my favorite things to do is when someone tells me, oh, I I only read sci-fi. I'm like, okay, I'll take you to the sci-fi section. And then I will go back to regular fiction and like pull a couple titles that are like have a little bit of crossover and bring them to them and go, well, have you tried this and have you tried that? Because 
Yes, that's full on science fiction, maybe. But there is a robot, you know, or there is, there are some creatures that might be zombies. I don't know. You should check this out, you know, and that is one of my most fun things to do. It's kind of just get your foot in the door a little bit. A lot of people, most people are open to different genres, but sometimes people want to know, like, I only read, you know, mysteries. Like, okay, well, let me see what I can do with this. It's almost like a fun game to kind of push people a little, little bit beyond what they think are the only things they like. Mm-hmm. Maybe they've just never tried anything else. So that's just, a, that's just a fun thing to do for me. And being physically in the bookstore, you ha- I had that opportunity as a bookseller to offer those, but they also have to walk by sci-fi and they have to walk by the, the nonfiction in order to get to the mystery section. So they get to see all that stuff and absorb it and maybe stop and read one of our little self-talking signs. You know, we have these little signs we make with like one line from the book or maybe, you know, a little blurb that one of the booksellers has come up with why we like it. And those will get people, entice people to pick that book up. Exactly. And I think being in the physical space, seeing the possibilities, really seeing possibilities beyond your own typical, you know, sort of knee-jerk response, I read this. I used to think I read nonfiction. Um, You know, 110 books later, uh, in terms of interviewing for the in guests for this show, I can honestly say I read everything now. I read things I never thought I'd read, and it has cracked me open in a way that I'm so grateful for. Um, and I think that going to a bookstore and really being observational and interactive with the bookseller can also open those pathways um, and and just kind of just bring you into a different into a new world. Even if you're a writer and you've got a story floating around your head, going to a bookstore, right, Raina? It can it can give you the possibilities of all the different kinds of vessels that your story can go into. We've got about a minute or so left, but you know, for our our aspiring writers out there, there's an impact to bookstores, right? Absolutely. If you are thinking of writing a book or if you're currently writing a book, go into a bookstore. Say, you know, I've just been thinking about pirates. Like, what is your favorite book about pirates? Do you have anything? And mm-hmm. let them recommend things to you. Maybe they're things you've already heard of, but I bet you they're going to come up with something you didn't even know existed, which you might want to read and give you inspiration for your pirate novel. Yeah. Just Give it a shot. Absolutely. So readers and writers both can benefit and it's, and it's just, you know, it's such a cool vibe. Thank you so much, Raina Nielsen, for being with us today. You are very welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's been, it's been a pleasure. Very enlightening. So we have blue underscore Cypress underscore books on Instagram, blue Cypress books on Facebook and at blue Cypress book on Twitter. So thank you also to our engineers, Matt Widener and Aaron Keller, to Ryan Treasure, to our executive producer, Robert Cialino, and most of all, to you, our listeners. Remember to stay safe and get to know your bookseller, like Blue Cypress Books, a local woman-owned New Orleans bookstore that has been warm and welcoming, place to find high-end, used and quality books since 2008. Thanks for being with us. Till next week, thank you for dropping in. 
Thank you so much for dropping in. Please join Diane Dewey again next Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you then.